Hello, and welcome to Let's Talk Midlife Crisis. I'm your host, Tracy. Unfortunately, Ashley isn't able to join us today. Pull up your chair for your seat at the table as we talk about looking at life through a different lens, discussing preventative health care during midlife, and the evermost thought-provoking question about how we perceive and approach mortality. Here's the question. Given the choice, would you want to know when you're going to die beforehand or suddenly die without warning? I don't know about you, but I've pretty much trashed my body my entire life. I've always been thin, never having to worry about my weight, my diet. Um, I eat no veggies at all. I live primarily on protein, carbs, and lots of sugar. I've always worshipped the sun. I drank. I drink. <laughs> Not a lot, but I drink. I like an occasional cocktail or a happy hour with my gal pals. Um, I've smoked for 40 years before I finally quit. Although, full transparency, um, I have a cigarette from time to time, but I don't smoke a pack a day like I used to. Um, and now here I am later in life and I'm fearing the consequences of all of my past decisions and actions and choices. And, um, so here's what happened, you know, during the course of the last month or so, um, well, I wasn't feeling well prior and I wasn't breathing good. I do have COPD from my years of smoking. So my primary care doctor sent me to a pulmonologist. Um, immediately upon my first exam with the doctor, she said she was sending me to get a CT scan to check for lung cancer. I don't know. When she told me that, I don't know. I, I think I was in shock. Um, and those exact moments became very, very surreal for me, um, combined with crippling fear um, of the whole C word being mentioned. Um, but then denial set in immediately. So she sent me for a CT scan and I went. And for those of you who have never had a CT scan, um, it's kind of like a donut. You lay down on a table and they kind of push you through this donut. Um, so you're not enclosed in any kind of machine at all. Um, so no fear of, you know, uh, claustrophobic would, you know, you would have if you were to get a CT scan. The whole thing was very, very quick. Um, I probably spent more time getting undressed and putting the gown on and then getting dressed um, back into my clothes out of the gown when it was done than I actually did while I was taking the CT scan. And I was just dying to know what, what it showed. And I know that the technicians aren't allowed to tell you, but I also know that they do this every day and all the time. So they probably have a good idea of what they're seeing on the screen. So as I was getting up from my CT scan and the technician was walking around to open the door and direct me back to the, the room where I change, I was looking at him. I was trying to look at him right in the eyes to get a reaction, you know, to see if there was any, you know, 
anything that I could see from his face or his, you know, body language or, you know, trying to look deep into his soul just to see what he just saw. But I couldn't, I couldn't read anything. Um, so I went back and got in my clothes and um, left. Um, several days later, it was the following week, I go back to the doctor. And, um, and she tells me that there are three spots on my lungs. And that the concern is, is I had a test done back in 2019 and where it showed the same three spots. However, now the spots have grown. Um, but she said they've only grown a very, very, very small amount. And went on to further say that she thought that one of the spots that was the largest, and, and she kind of drew it with her pen on a piece of paper, was about the size of maybe a small BB. Um, and she didn't think that they would be able to biopsy it. And um, she gave me my three options. You know, the first option is don't do anything, come back in three months. She says, I absolutely don't recommend that. The second option is to try to do a biopsy. And the third option is to go for a more evasive scan where they inject dye into you. And um, and if the dye sticks to a particular spot or location and then turns bright red, then the good, there's a good chance that it's cancer and we move forward from there. So... Uh, as she tells me this, tears are running down my face. Um, however, the weekend, my appointment with her was on a Monday. It was last Monday. And the weekend prior to that, I was holding up fine. I was living in denial. But the weekend prior to my appointment with her was just true hell, um, where I was seriously thinking about my own mortality and the fear of going in and them saying, you know, like you have it's stage four, it's metastasized and all of this. So the diagnosis or the, the results from my initial scan didn't seem to reflect that extensive severity that I had imagined for days leading up to this appointment. Um, it surely wasn't what I wanted to hear, right? And tears were just running down my face and, and I was asking questions, you know, is, is it treatable? And she's like, well, absolutely. And she holds up her cell phone and says, I have people on speed dial. And, and I said, well, what would the, you know, treatment entail? Is it chemo? Is it radiation? Because those are things I think of when I think of cancer and treatment and, and she just looked at me and it's almost been a week now since that appointment. And I still don't know <laughs> what the look meant. Does it mean like, of course, does it mean like I am a pulmonologist? I'm not an oncologist. I still don't know what that look meant, but it, it couldn't be been good. So now um, next week on Wednesday, I go for a more extensive scan where they, you know, shoot the dye in you and everything. And I did chose, choose number three. Um, 
because I thought, you know, it's maybe if it is the C word, then I have time, you know, to, for treatment. And at least my days aren't, I shouldn't say, it wasn't as immediate of a situation upon, you know, death, perhaps, as is what I was initially fearing the diagnosis would be or prognosis. But definitely, like I said, wasn't what I wanted to hear. So next week, I go for an appointment um, to shoot the dye in to see if anything turns bright red. But then, of course, what do you do after that? Um, should it turn red? Um, I hadn't really got that far because in my mind, it's been four years and it's barely growing. Was, was the first test accurate? Was, you know, did I just do further lung damage? Because I have had bouts of, you know, smoking again. And, um, which would have maybe just further damaged my lungs, right? Maybe it's not the C word, the ultimate, you know, what enters my mind is the ultimate death sentence, but definitely it opened up my eyes. So I'm getting ready to go to my fabulous, fabulous, exciting trip to Italy. And I text my friend who kept that I'm going with, and she kept asking me, how did it go? How did your CT scan go? And I didn't respond. I didn't respond. And finally, I sent her a response, and I said, not good. I have to have further tests, but I'll know um, the day before we leave for Italy. And she said, well, wouldn't, why don't you push it back? Why would you want to know before you leave? And so this weekend, I've been thinking about it. And what I've come up with is, is that I'm looking at life now through a different lens. And oftentimes in life, I think we've had, you know, friends, loved ones, um, you know, family members pass away, maybe suddenly, um, without warning, that makes you think about your own mortality, right? And how quickly, you know, life can end at a blink of an eye or snap of the fingers, you know, with a car accident or anything suddenly. Um, one of my cousin, my beloved, beloved cousin, Christy, died at a very young age from a brain aneurysm. And it was just so shocking and sudden. And at those times, you think about your own mortality and how, you know, short life is and, you know, live it to, you know, live every moment as if, you know, it's your last moment. But unfortunately, it feels to me, at least in my experience, that that's only been short-lived, right? Maybe it's a day or a week or even a month, depending on, you know, the tragic loss that you, you're going through. Um, but you think about it and, and you kind of look at life through a different lens, but it's generally short-lived. So now, as I am looking at life through a different lens, um, I'm hopeful that this feeling and way of living continues on a little bit longer than a day, a week, or a month. So if I go back and they say, you know, it's not cancer, Tracy, um, how long am I going to hold on to this view of life 
that right now is like rosy colored glasses and everything is, I'm just enjoying every moment of everything and everyone. And I don't even dislike my job right now. You know, those daily, just the simple things, right? And, and my children and, and my grandchildren, um, how much I just want to cherish every moment. Um, and I'm viewing it in a different way, um, with more reality, right? Because the reality is, is we're all going to die someday, but when you're in your midlife and you're, you know, on that downhill run, you know, to the end, it seems to go so much quicker. Um, so, so yes, I do want to know. I want to know now, um, because I feel that being preventative means that, you know, I might be able to catch it and definitely extend, have options available and treatments available to extend my life. Um, but I'd rather know now than the, I think the thought of the unknown, it can often be more scary than knowing the reality and trying to come up with a plan. But I think everyone is different. Um, but I also think that now more than ever, when you're in your midlife, preventative care is so important. Um, not only for those people like me who've trashed their bodies their entire life, but, you know, it, things happen, bad things happen too, and unhealthy things happen to healthy people too, which kind of isn't fair and has never made sense, but um, it's the truth and it is the reality. So I think that preventative care is important. If you have the uh, opportunity to catch something early on, you know, it's got to be much better, right, than waiting until it's literally and truly your death sentence, um, which unfortunately has happened to me with two of my dearest um, and closest friends over this past year. And it's been very, very difficult um, for me um, to deal with those losses. And again, helped me look at life through a different lens. But unfortunately, it wasn't as long as I would have hoped before the whole world just revolved back into its old ways um, and the busyness of everything, whether it be work and children or, um, you know, we multitask. We have, you know, so much these days, right, um, that is going on, so much on our plates, um, so much that you do. Um, and you get right back into that without... And, and you lose that lens. It's almost like a, a click of a camera shutter. Click, click. It's on. And then just as quickly, click, click, it can be off. And you're just back in the hamster wheel, right? Um, of life. But I've had the opportunity to pause. Um, clearly make sure my affairs are in order, which I kind of thought they were, but now, um, realizing that they're not. Um, and to think about, you know, my own mortality. Um, one of the things that I did think about in that very long weekend, um, last weekend before my doctor's appointment was, 
um, you know, after my passing, like wanting to make sure everything is a smooth transition for my children who are going to be totally distraught. Um, and I thought one of those things that I could help take off of their plate, um, and that might be worthwhile, would be a living memorial. So instead of waiting until after I pass to have some sort of a celebration of life, um, to do it while I'm still living. But fortunately, the news that I received at the doctor last week didn't seem to indicate that there was going to be any kind of a quick passing. Um, but of course, a lot is based upon further testing and results, as well as treatment, which I will um, continue to share with you um, as I go through this journey. Um, but I think something that, you know, is super important that we need to talk about during our midlife is preventative health care. Um, I never used to do mammograms every year. I do that. I, um, you know, try to, I have my blood work taken regularly. I take my medication as I'm supposed to, which is blood pressure medication, high blood pressure medication, which when I was younger, I kind of took with a grain of salt and wasn't really, um, is religious about taking it as I am these days. Um, but I try to do everything I can to, you know, be preventative as far as um, my health is concerned. And I think that a really, really important part of that is to go for your wellness checkups and your annuals and, you know, have blood work drawn. And my primary care guy, I'm sure he just... He's actually told me before that I stress him out when I, when he has to come see me, when he knows I'm his patient in that room. Because uh, when I go for, when I, he orders me blood tests, I said, don't just tell me what my vitamin levels are and my cholesterol levels. You know, I want to know, do I have cancer? If you're going to take my blood, you know, run tests that are going to be important for me that I'm concerned about and I want to know about. So they do take a couple of vials of blood um, now when I go, but it's okay because it just kind of sets my mind at ease and also helps be preventative because if something does show up outside of, you know, me having a high, you know, or a deficiency in vitamin D, uh, maybe, you know, my blood cells, white blood cell count is off or, um, you know, something more serious is what I was hoping that they would test for. Um, and I go and just by asking for it, they do that. Um, and then there's also the whole, you know, um, outside of Western medicine, um, you know, there's alternatives. I think life's all about alternatives, but I think by testing and trying to be as preventative as you can, and there are a lot of options. So, um, if you don't want a colonoscopy, you can, you know, have different tests taken, um, you know, that checks for problems um, and isn't so evasive, if you will, um, which I'm one of those people, by the way. Um, but I, again, you know, believe in preventative health care um, because I want to see my grandchildren grow up. That's something that, you know, I've been thinking about a lot lately. And if I do have the choice and it's based upon my decisions, I do want to make sure that I make good decisions 
now. You know, I'm not going to look in the rearview mirror of what I've done to my body for the last 40 years because all the could have and would have and should have are out the door, out the window, right? No looking in the rearview mirror. But what I can do is moving forward, make the right choices, um, and follow up with those choices and um, do what I can to become healthier today for a longer lasting life. Well, that wraps it up for today, guys. Um, thank you for joining us on Let's Talk Midlife Crisis. Embrace the change. Join the conversation on our website or Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube channels. Listen to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Amazon Products, iHeart, or wherever um, you tune in for your listening pleasures. Thank you so much. Join us next week.